Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy of Art podcast with your host, Addie Hirschton. Join us as we share folk tales and true stories about artists and the creative process. We start with a quote of the day. This one's by William Morris. He said, The true secret of happiness lies in taking a genuine interest in all the details of daily life. Hello everyone, my name is Addie Hirschton. I'm a contemporary impressionist painter, art instructor, author, and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and the creative process to inspire you and help you move forward. And yes, in turn, inspire myself and help me move forward. On the show, I interview artists from a wide variety of mediums so that we can learn from each other's processes and philosophy. Today's podcast features an interview with the artist Kelly Johnson. Um, announcements. Okay, so what's going on in my crazy life? Um, it's been busy. Uh, in a few weeks here, I'm going to be at the Whole Soul Center again in Indianapolis teaching painting your personal symbols, a small little fun one-day workshop. Uh, with my online classes, um, I've got a new one that's called Start Selling Your Art, and there's some free ones on there, uh, Seven Secrets to Success for Artists, How to Paint a Rose, and um, as we enter into spring, you might be interested in my online class, Flower Painting 101. Uh, what else? Let's see, at the Arts Center, um, I'm about to start new second uh, spring session where I'm going to be teaching collage painting uh, and intuitive painting. And putting these two classes together has gotten me so inspired. Um, I've been studying up on Jungian analysis and bringing forth the unconscious by creating um, uh, intuitive work with a lot of the surrealist uh, methods and games. And so I'm going to be incorporating all those things into those classes. And so I'm super excited about that. And then this summer at the Art Center, I'm going to be teaching an abstract painting class, another intuitive because uh, they're all selling out because it's it's just so much fun. If you've never done the intuitive method, it's just so much fun. Um, and I'll be doing a plein air event. Um, a plein air class, excuse me, uh, in the summer. So let's chat about Kelly Johnson and, and what's going on with her and who she is. And, and um, then we'll hear our exciting interview with her. So Kelly Johnson is an artist, teacher, author, and a gardening guide. She earned a BFA from Savannah College of Art and Design, aka SCAD, when uh, 
she was young and then she went on to work as a Montessori teacher for a good long while. And when she did that, she just really enjoyed sharing her love of art and gardening with her students. And more recently, she's earned a master's degree in environmental studies. And now she's teaching workshops and online classes. Um, and some of the workshops are for other Montessori teachers, others are um, in the community where she works, and then the online classes, um, there are on drawing and getting back to nature and um, doing botanical type uh, drawings where you're, you're really learning about the plants as you uh, draw them. And so her website is named after her first book, Wings, Worms, and Wonder. Uh, and the book is a guide for creatively integrating gardening and outdoor learning into children's lives. And so you can find out more about Kelly Johnson on her website, wingswormsandwonder.com. Now, without further ado, here's my interview with Kelly Johnson. Welcome, Kelly Johnson, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Oh, wonderful. I'm happy that you're here, too. Um, first question I've got for you, what is the story of how you became an artist and a gardener? I love this story because it's... Um, um, I feel that it's so special, like it's so inherent in me because I don't remember not being either one. Um, my grandparents on my mom's side, um, her, not just my grandparents, but her whole entire family, uh, they all grew all their own food and, um, some were farmers for their job and some were farmers just for themselves and for us. Okay. Um, has my grandmother moved from the country to the city when she was 18 and um, my mom was raised in the city and I was raised in the suburbs, but my grandparents still grew all our own food and all their brothers and sisters. So as a child, I, and my great grandmother also lived with my grandparents. So I was with them. I was the firstborn of all the grandkids. And so I spent tons of time with them. And by the time I came along, my grandmother still worked, but my great grandmother and my grandfather didn't. So I would stay with them all the time and I would be in the garden with my grandfather, like helping supposedly. <laughs> I mean, I, I like I was helping, but I'm sure I was just <laughs> making a mess. But, you know, picking green beans and digging out potatoes. And then I would spend lots of time on the front porch. They didn't have air conditioning back then um, with my great grandmother shelling butter beans and shelling black-eyed peas and um, just spending that time in nature with them doing work with my hands, which when I became a Montessori teacher, I realized is so quintessential for, for children's development and fine motor and gross motor in the garden, fine motor, shelling in practical life. So doing this real work, like contributing, but the way I was contributing was through gardening and through nature. And so that just, I never realized until I've, if someone has listened to another interview with me, they may have heard this before, but it's so silly. That's why I repeat it. But it wasn't until I was out of college and the first time I ever had 
Thanksgiving with anyone but my own grandparents and family um, was at my my partner. We've been together since art school, but at his parents' house and his parents are great, too. But so his mom brings out microwaved broccoli and the <gasps> light bulb hit me. And I was like, wait a second. Where's grandpa's butter beans? Where's where's grandpa's food? Oh, my gosh. Not everybody's grandpa grows all their food. And it yeah. sounds so dumb, but <laughs> I, I had never had to think of it before. You know, oh. the applesauce we ate was canned by my grandmother. The black-eyed peas and stewed tomatoes we ate were the stewed tomatoes were canned by my grandmother. The black-eyed peas were grown and frozen by my grandfather, you know, or fresher, you know, whatever time of year. All the veggies and so many of the things we had were made and given to us by family members. So... Mm. And my dad hunted and everything, so a lot of the meat we had, too, was local, and I just never thought about it before. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward to when I started teaching um, a few years later, and I realized I have to be these children's grandpa. These children, the majority, maybe one or two of them out of all the years I taught, but their their food's just coming from the grocery store. They they don't know. They're not having these experiences. So I immediately started gardening with children, and that told that that whole aspect grew. Yeah. But then, as far as the art with it, um, I don't remember not ever wanting to make art. I and my parents were really really supportive of that. Whether as a young child, just having lots of art supplies around, or um, letting me take all kinds of different classes and pretty much any art class that I, I was fortunate that pretty much any art class I wanted to take, they would let me take. Um, and then at the time, uh, now I think it's a lot more acceptable, but at the time being really supportive to let me go to art school for college. Cause back in the nineties, early nineties, it was still not so like, Oh, you're going to art school. Like, well, good luck ever making money with that. You know, <laughs> Um, and you know, I had plenty of friends that we had all these grand plans of going to art school together and their parents wouldn't let them like, so uh. to let me actually go to an art school, not just a regular college with an art program, um, was really nice of them. And they've always been incredibly supportive of that. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, it was just always intertwined. Like when I was at my grandparents' house, if I wasn't doing something with them. I was like laying under the trees, drawing pictures while my sister napped indoors. And so it was always intertwined. Okay. I just don't remember not doing either. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. So you talked about your Montessori teaching. How do you use art to teach about nature? Uh, maybe you can give us some examples of, of how you're incorporating the two together, how you're working together. In the classroom, it's so inherent. Maria Montessori was so adamant about preparation of the environment and preparation of the teacher that you teach through beauty, like and beauty and aesthetics inspire learning. Mm -hmm. And when I first read that, um, I realized that is so key to the way I learn. Like if I'm going to I set up an environment, I set up an area that is aesthetically beautiful and peaceful for me, no matter what I'm doing, um, art is integrated into every aspect of the way I go about life. Um, and so that was one of the things when I, I started as a Montessori art teacher and, um, toddler, um, 
kind of long-term sub. But um, so just seeing how when you present something to the child, it's done beautifully and it's done with all natural materials. So you have fresh flowers around, everything's natural wood, you have a beautiful like woven natural fiber rug that then you put a little wooden basket on and you know, the way that you teach art and nature are so inherently integrated into it. But the way, so taking that as like the baseline, Mm -hmm. then um, when I was teaching elementary and, and now in my workshops, I use nature journaling. And at the time I didn't know it was called nature journaling. We just called drawing in our sketchbooks. It wasn't until I went to graduate school that I learned about this whole world of nature journaling that's been going on for like hundreds of years. Okay. (laughs) But you know, you just come to things when, as you come to them and then learn their roots as you're, you're ready, I guess it reveals itself to you. But, um, using the nature journal to tie the outdoors into the indoors. And that's not just in the classroom. That's just um, I mean, the classroom is one example of it, but, but that's life. I feel like, um, when we find threads that weave inside and outside together, um, but part of it also, there's, I feel like there's little aspects of that using art to teach about nature. So nature journal is kind of like the vehicle, um, to teach one is observation and seeing because so much of art is, is observation and seeing people think, Oh, I can't even draw a circle, but you just have to slow down and see the circle. You know, don't look at it as like an apple, look at it as a sphere, you know, or seeing is an art itself that takes practice and it's like a muscle you have to strengthen it and and hone its abilities and then also I call it um hearing nature's whispers which is really see another like deeper level of seeing because there's so many tiny things going on around us and when we're busy and we're rushing about we miss them like this little tiny plant bursting through the crack in the sidewalk or the way a leaf is twisting on the shrub that we walk by on our way into work, you know, things like that. And once you start honing those seeing muscles, you start hearing, seeing all of these nature's whispers. And then all this magic starts revealing itself to you. I say magic. It's not really magic. You know, all, but all this, these wonders of nature start revealing themselves to you in your daily life and just adding like little, little pops of beauty and wonder. And then back to the nature journal. So as you begin to see and gather more of these, then you, you maybe feel inspired to document them in your nature journal. And then drawing in turn helps us learn to see nature even better. So you can draw the same plant every day and you'll learn something new every day something different about it like I think I can't tell you how many times I've drawn lavender (laughs) every single time I draw lavender I learn something new about that plant so that in turn hones seeing drawing hones seeing seeing hones drawing it's like a really nice cycle that keeps supporting each other and we just keep learning more and connecting more deeply um through art and nature yeah oh yeah yeah 
I'm reminded too of how one of my drawing teachers, she explained that we see things symbolically and we, or let me rephrase that, we, we think of things symbolically. So, and, and we simplify them down. So an apple, you know, might just be just a, a round shape with a little stem. But if we really start to look at the apple, then we see, oh, it's lumpy and it's, you know, how is that fear, sh sphere really shaped? Um, yeah, or, it's so true. You know, you know like if you ask uh, a kid to draw a flower, you know, they'll do the, the little uh, circular shape with the petals going out that every petal is exactly the same <laughs> and a little step exactly. coming down. But then if we really start to look at a very specific plant, we notice all those beautiful, subtle nuances that make it special and unique and, um, and, and drawing, sitting down to draw can really help us notice all those subtle nuances. It's so true. I, yeah. I totally agree. And our minds, yeah, like it's draw a tree. You're going to draw like that trunk with like the poop ball cloud on top or draw a cloud. <laughs> There's all these ways we've been taught to draw yeah. the symbols of things. Right. But yeah, when we, you really take the time to like get, get in there with it, you know, and, and see, and it's almost like, okay, so it, it's easy as adults to get into this mindset of, um, okay, I'm going to sit down and I need to draw this leaf. And then we feel like we have this understanding of what a leaf should be and what a leaf should look like. And like, okay, I got to get a leaf down on the page, but that's our adult like product oriented mind. When we can like relax into like and, and hone our observation and our seeing, we go into that process oriented so like really focusing on process over product and just enjoying oh, I'm going to take some deep breaths and I'm really going to look at all like you said like the lumps and the curves and look at this little highlight here really look at it really see it and and enjoy that process of seeing and then enjoy that process of drawing those shapes and it doesn't have to look exactly like the apple because who cares? It's in your sketchbook and it's all about that process of just right. having fun with it, having yeah. fun seeing, having fun drawing, having fun letting the the nature inspire the art and the art deepen the connection to nature and just letting the process let I mean let the process be the product kind of like process over product. It's like I can't stress it enough. <laughs> <laughs> so Total side change, you're talking about process over product. What do you do with your art journals over time? Um, do you collect them all? Um, I'm just, I'm just curious because we end up with a product, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's, it's easy to say process over product also when you're not like, oh my gosh, I've got a craft show coming up. I've got to have like 17 paintings. Yeah. <laughs> but that's sort of like a different stage you know that's a different mindset there's like yeah. okay I'm working on paintings for my Etsy shop and then oh I'm just working in my sketchbook for myself you know there's it's sort of two different modes you get into but yeah um my parents are really nice 
and uh, they had let me have a bookshelf in their house <laughs> of really um, big books, a pretty big bookshelf. Oh. <laughs> and um, yeah, I have a bookshelf in a closet. And so up at their house, because, uh, you know, some some old sketchbooks and things are from you know, when I used to live with them and they're nice enough to just let me keep them there. (laughs) So sometimes I bring, I have, I have a nice bookshelf here in my house too. And I've got a a box that has, um, like a pretty box on the bookshelf that has like smaller, if I've made like little tiny journals and things, but yeah, they're, they do add up and that is a product and it, and it's, I don't want to say it's a, it's not a problem, but it is sort of like a thing, you know, right. like, oh gosh. but then sometimes it's, it, it can be fun to flip through them, especially, especially, especially the ones I think I treasure the most. I love, I travel a lot and, and I always have, and I, I love to, um, draw nature when I travel because I feel like it helps ground you when you're traveling, but it also helps you connect to place and, and learn things about, the areas you're traveling through and the, my nature journals and I, that are from nature journals slash travel journals. Those are my favorite because it's like, Oh, remember that botanical garden in Oslo? Those poppies were amazing. Or, or remember how I was painting these hollyhocks from the window on a rainy day in Copenhagen, you know, like it really brings back such lovely memories of the time and the place and, and your experiences and sort of, I don't know, just adds a, adds a richness to travel. It adds a depth, it adds a connection and grounding. And then it also is such a nice of all the little trinkets you may acquire here and there through life or on your travels. Like those are sort of my favorite. They're like the best souvenir. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so the that's next flowers. Sorry, that's the other thing. Oh, you I love press flowers. No. Yeah, oh, but yeah. don't. I mean, you're probably not supposed to do this. So, <laughs> <laughs> if, if anyone works for like agricultural, I promise to press no seeds. Um, <laughs> but like traveling to the tropics, it's okay. really all the flowers are so beautiful. But, like pick petals and press flowers, and then make them into little handmade travel books. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I bet that's nice collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've looked at those old botanicals from when, you know, Europeans were going through the age of discovery and they were traveling all around the world for the first time and and documenting those things. Like I love um, the work of Maria Sibylia Marion. Uh, I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. And um, yeah, do you have any other favorites? Um, I love her also. Yeah, I love, and she's, she's really old, you know, she's like mm-hmm. 1700s and mm-hmm. she was in Guyana, right? Um, there's the German artist and I never know how to say his name properly. So if anyone speaks <laughs> German, please do let me know. Ernst Heckel. Heckel? Okay. okay. Um, I think I've seen He that. has some really beautiful ones and he also has a lot of sea life, which is really neat. And he used to look through a microscope and then not always, but some of his drawings are looking through a microscope and then drawing like the little squiggly things in water and, and stuff like that, which is pretty interesting. And I just, Oh, if I had my phone by me, I would have it. Um, I just learned about, I think her last name is M E E. 
Um, and she's from that time period. I was at the Botanical Garden in Virginia near my parents' house, and they've got a really awesome library. And I was going through the old botanical books because I'm actually working on a new video class that's botanical drawing. And one of my current courses also has some botanical, not the like uptight kind of botanical drawing, but like having fun with that vintage style. Okay. And so, um, so yeah, Margaret Mee, maybe M E E, but I can get to that link, but she's so awesome. And then my all time favorite, like Beatrix Potter. (laughs) <laughs> Such as, she didn't do so much traveling, but oh, she's my all-time favorite. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, cool. Okay, so let me ask you this next question. So on your website, you wrote that you were propelled to arts-based nature connection action. So you were pe- propelled to take action by your own experiences with modern society's disconnection from the natural environment. And I totally agree that we we are often just so disconnected and distant from nature uh, with the, with the way we've structured our lives with modern living. Um, Even though, I mean, of course we, we can't get too far from it because we are a part of nature and we have Mm -hmm. to have nature in order to survive. But um, how can one, reconnect to nature living in a modern city (laughs) do you have any (laughs) suggestions for how we can bring that balance back into our lives by um, reconnecting yes and I a first thing I want to say is like you don't have to feel like people don't have to feel like they need to not be in the city there's so much nature like every time I'm in New York City Mm. I am astounded at the really intentional focus of bringing nature into the city there, not to mention the parks and things. So like, first off, like sort of like disclaimer, don't feel like where you live, the actual physical location will hold you back because that's where that tuning in to seeing and nature's whispers really comes into play. Um, and of course, if you live, like, you know, on a gorgeous cliff overlooking the sea. Sure, you can just look out your window. You, it's maybe a little easier, but it's also easy to overlook it when it, there's a lot of, you know, if you live on the edge of a national park, you, you, our eyes get used to seeing just what we see every day, and then they start to ignore it. Right. Um, it becomes the background. So so staying conscious and, like, present. But um, I had a... a I have a friend and, and she teases me a lot, but I'm like, tease away. But (laughs) she teases me about this a lot because I fiercely, fiercely protect, um, like free time, like open space that I, that I specifically schedule into my calendar. Okay. Um, and, and so to reconnect, and I feel like that is the most valuable thing that I do, um, for my mind, for my nature connection, for my creative creativity, creative practice, just for my sanity. Um, because modern life is, is very fast and it wants to sort of usher us into these streams of what the commercials want us to do and the billboards. And we feel like, Oh, well, well, so-and-so next door has their kids in these activities, am I okay not doing these activities? You know, and there's all these questions and sort of storm spinning around us. So um, I feel like 
to reconnect, see where you can create space in your life. Um, freedom, even if it's 10 minutes before everyone else in your family wakes up, freedom to stare out the window for 10 minutes, have an empty mind, daydream, just protecting this space or creating this space and, and literally scheduling it in. I mean, I literally have it written on my daily calendar and on my like the month, the full month is like posted on the wall by the phone. Yeah. We still have a phone on the wall in the kitchen, (laughs) but, um, it allows a space for creativity and wonder and connection to flow. So maybe you just walk around the block for five minutes and just have a, like when you come back, like take a quick walk and then come back and just be still. So you still your body and then your breath will slow down and your mind will slow down and just look at one thing, whether it's like in your yard or maybe you have a flower pot in your apartment in the city or there's a tree like on your block, just be still and just look at it for one minute, three minutes, you know, whatever is working for your time frame, mm. and, and just be still and look at it. And I feel like stare at the sky even like everyone can look up, you know, mm-hmm. just stop and be still and breathe and just let, let yourself have the permission to slow down. And and as busy as it is, if your list has 800 things on it, if you slow down for five minutes, you're going to accomplish more of them and more productively. Um, Yeah. So any way possible, just slow down. Even sometimes I choose the slower route to things just on purpose, just to slow down. So like um, you can buy, you know, beans already shelled at the farmer's market, but I don't. I buy them. So I have to shell them because it forces me to slow down. Plus I have that connection. Like it, it sends me back to like a mindset of like shelling them on the front porch with my great grandmother. So it's slower. So that's just like one for me, but maybe it's like, maybe if you normally buy the vegetables already chopped to like save a minute, be like, you know what? No, I'm going to chop them and I'm going to chop them. I'm going to buy them unchopped and chop them mindfully just to slow down little excuses to slow down, you know, and if your family needs you to be like, Oh, sorry, I'm chopping these greens right now. I'm not available. I'll be available in five minutes. (laughs) And then protecting that free time and space and don't let anything have it. Even if your friends make fun of you, even if your family makes fun of you, be like, sorry, keeps me happy. Do you like me happy? Then I'm going (laughs) to schedule this free time and protect, protect it. And then scheduling on top of that nature time, and that may not be every day. It might be, but it, depending on your schedule, scheduling time, um, whether it's by yourself or with your partner or friend or kids or family, like, okay, for two hours on Saturday, we're going to go for a walk in this park or we're going to go to the beach. Or So um, I'm a real proponent, proponent of scheduling because if we don't schedule it, modern life is going to usher us back into that like fast flow, you know? Right. So it creates balance. Um, yeah. So scheduling, it's, it's weird to say schedule time to slow down, schedule time for your connection, schedule time for your creativity. But, um, if we don't schedule it, it's just not going to get done. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of, I had one of my mentors in, when I was in high school, 
a friend's mom, she told me that she loves doing the dishes. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and I, my response was, what? No, you don't, you know. <laughs> but she explained that it's her time to do them. It's quiet. Nobody's talking to her. She just, she enjoys doing them, which I took to be a great lesson in just in reworking our thoughts about chores and the way we process life and not just seeing every chore um, like chopping the vegetables as oh it's a drag but maybe yeah. it's an opportunity to um, reflect and slow down and yes smell exactly. the roses <laughs> exactly yeah it's so true and that's the dishes it's the exact same thing it's it's another way to just make yourself slow down. It's just a process. You're working with your hands. So it, it relaxes your mind. Um, it's not something that requires too much focus, but so you can sort of space out and you can focus on, you know, my, a lot of sinks look out the window, you know, so you get to look out yeah. the window. When you do it. Yeah. I, I've, I I've actually said no to to being in houses because it didn't have the sink by the window. Cause it just got to yeah. look out the window when I'm, it's true. It's true. Oh my gosh. Windows is so important to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't have like my little old house from the sixties. It does not have a dishwasher. So yeah, I, I totally get the dishwashing <laughs> mm -hmm. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. Dishwashers kind of stress me out actually. I think they right. like make more work. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, I totally agree. I do. I have a dishwasher in my current house and we don't use it because I feel like when I take the glass and I put it in the dishwasher, first I have to rinse it because the dishwasher's yeah. not really going to get it totally, like any gunk that's stuck on there, any little, you know, orange juice uh, yeah. peels or whatever. I've got to rinse it first anyway. And then I put it in there and then you got to process the whole thing and then take all the things out. So it's actually adding more steps. Exactly. Wow, you're the first person I've ever talked to who felt the same way about it. You too. I was just having this conversation with my dad. And he, I was like, dad, you have to wash it first and then you have right. to put it in there and right. then you you have to dry it before you put it away anyway. And he's like, no, you don't. It has dryer set, um, dryer setting. And I was like, it doesn't work. What about all these cups? It collects in the, the underside little right. divot and this and that. And right. I, it's so uh, funny. I was just having this conversation. I was like, so no. Funny. Dishwashers are more work. <laughs> right. I've also had where dishwashers would just, they'd uh, solidify, you know, gunk that's on the plate. Yeah. And then you have to scrub it for 10 minutes just to get that stinking crud off. I want to cook it's it on. Cooked on. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that this is one of those examples of how, you know, somebody invented this thing. And then we all said, okay, let's buy it. And they totally sold us on it. But then, you know, we have to really step back and notice, do we really need that thing? Or is it actually creating just more stuff and yeah. and, and more steps? And It's so true. And that's part of that, like, that modern life, like, stream. It's trying to mm -hmm. usher us into, like, what it supposedly should be when it's like, hold on, that doesn't make sense. You know, and it happens a lot. And I feel like when we can, like, sort of disconnect to reconnect in a way, you start asking those questions. Like, right. wait a second. 
that doesn't make sense at all. Why is everybody doing that? Right. Uh, uh, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. So b- back to your schedule. I mean, how often do you schedule? What does it look like your special time where you're sitting quietly, um, taking a walk in nature? Is it, you know, every Sunday afternoon or is it every day there's an hour that's in there? What, what, what does that look like? Um, my, my schedule, because I do a lot of freelance workshops, um, so my schedule is always changing. So I am just like to, devoted to, I have three calendars and I'm devoted to them. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they all work together and they're all on paper and people will be yeah. like, Oh my gosh, why aren't you digital? But I can't, I have to see it in different colors. I have to right. write it if I'm going to remember to do yeah. it. Yeah, um, so so yeah, each week is different. Like for me, it doesn't always work to have, um, every day at 1130. Mm -hmm. I can from 1130 to 12, you know, I can stare out the window or I can go draw in the garden. But, um, but I do schedule a little bit of time every day, depending on what the day looks like. So I have, you know, like the big calendar that's our sort of like family stuff on the wall. And then I've got my work calendar that's like month by month. And then I've got my weekly, um, that I write in. So the weekly one is really the crucial one. The weekly one is where I schedule these things in. Um, so if I'm teaching, if I know I'm teaching children, I need, I know, I know personally to be my best self, I need to schedule some quiet downtime in before I go to them as, as I don't know, just, it helps me have a lot of patience. And, um, also, um, it helps stay in that present moment space with the children because they're in the present moment. Um, and if I'm doing a lot of, um, creative work, I almost on those days I'll go, I live at the beach. Um, so I'll go for a walk on the beach in the morning and just get that nice and not like, I don't bring my phone with me. That's another way. Like I don't bring people know, like you can call me, but I'm probably not going to call you back. Like, <laughs> or I will call you back, but it won't be, I'm not going to answer right away or right. I'm not going to return your text right away. Right. Um, and that's okay because remember when we used to just have phones, we just called people back. Like it yeah. didn't have to be immediate. It's okay to not yeah. be in that rush. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, like very rarely, maybe if I want to take a picture of the ocean or something for Instagram, I'll, I'll bring my phone, but I don't even have it in my pocket very, very rarely. Okay. So it's a full, just like in nature, quiet, or just talking with my partner if we're walking together. Um, so that's, that's almost every morning, um, unless I'm teaching early in the morning. Okay. And then we'll, I'll also do the same at nighttime. The beach is very safe. Uh, where we are and it's very wide and open. So I'll go for a shorter walk at night. And th- and it's really nice to see how the nature changes from night to night, you know, moon on the waves and it's very fresh and relaxing. Um, but I also do schedule time, you know, like, okay, here's a quick window. I'm totally just going to like loaf on the couch with my legs up on the wall, like staring out the window. 
And sometimes it happens naturally. Like, and I think that's good too. You know, like say you're working on a blog post and then you're just like staring out the window and then you realize like, oh my gosh, it's been like 10 minutes. But like, wow, I feel so much better for letting myself do that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, so I do, I schedule it in day by day. Um, and I also like almost every morning I do a little bit of yoga and I, I meditate and that, and People think, oh, that's like snooty. But um, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm like clear-minded when I meditate. I'm just saying I sit there and I do mantra repetition and bring okay. my mind back, bring my mind back, <laughs> bring <Right>. my mind back. <laughs> right. So, yeah, just that practice. And that and that helps that stillness. It helps cultivate like not feeling for me personally because I'm a pretty high energy person. Mm-hmm. It helps cultivate not feeling rushed for me. Right. And I don't have children. So that said, I do 100% fully understand that these things I'm saying have an added complexity when you have children. 100%. Sure. I have 13 nieces and nephews. So, and I've nannied and like lived in houses with kids, like, and taught school and have two little girls next door. Like, I fully, fully understand. So your, your bits of time, if you do have children, the still and quiet time, they might be a lot shorter. Um, but that's also a, a nice time. Like if you can do the dishes, you know, I know you got to get kids to bed and things like that, but if there are little ways that you can work in slowing the process, even by five minutes, um, and then scheduling in the family time and doing family nature journals, um, and so a lot more of it's going to be family centric and inviting the children too. when I was teaching, we did, we did quiet time. We did breathing, like invite them into those practices because they need it too. They're just as rushed as we are as adults. They have a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on them in, in their academic lives and mm-hmm. activities and all that. So everything I'm saying is equally as important for children. Right, right. Uh, and go easy on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, it's interesting what you said about you've got a paper schedule, you know, paper calendar, <laughs> and I do too. And I, I have the suspicion that maybe this is an artist thing because I've noticed more artists do that than have gravitated toward having everything on a Google Calendar type um, on the on the computer. Um, and I think that I enjoy it so much more because it's concrete. Yeah. I can, I can see it more clearly. Um, I can scratch things out. I can write things myself. And, you know, you, you said, you know, I write it down. I might, might remember it more. Maybe I imagined you said that. I, I feel like you said that. <laughs> no, I did. I, I, I'm <laughs> going to remember anything. I tell people, if you don't see me write it down, yeah. I'm not going to remember it. So tell me, yeah. write it on my hand, write it wherever, but right. <laughs> write it down. You right. need to see me write it down. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It, it really helps um, solidify it in your mind. Um, and it feels so good to cross things off the list too. I and, love that part. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. And this is the elementary school teacher in me. And I know it's not Montessori, but you know, sometimes when you achieve something, you get, I get to put a sticker on the calendar. <laughs> on <that day. laughs> if it's something really challenging, like, yeah. you know, whatever it might be, or like I let myself, if, if I like, 
can get on track to do like full on workout, like exercise, I get sicker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cute. Funny. Um, but okay. I think it's just that whole aesthetic thing too. Right. Like it has to be a beautiful sticker. It can't just be any sticker. It's got to be some like super cute, like Japanese, like sticker of plants or something. Yeah. Yeah, it does make a difference about how we feel about things, the way they look, mm-hmm. and the care that went into creating yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the care that goes into creation. And and I think that goes back, too, to, like, when you chop the vegetables yourself, there's a care that you're, like, mm-hmm. imbuing. Is that, would that be the right way? You're, yeah. like, uh-huh. interjecting that into the whole process. Right. Of like, rather than just, like... Sometimes you do just have to like chuck a frozen burrito in the oven and be done with it. But, but when you don't have to and you can really like present and make something, whether it's food or art or whatever, beautiful for someone, then you just feel so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Very satisfying. Yeah, it just, it, I feel like it just fuels those connections. And when you can do it a little bit, then you want to do it more and more and, and your, your life starts opening up space for that because you want to do it right yeah yeah uh so all right my next question for you which makes some people laugh but what advice would you give to your younger artists <laughs> this made me laugh too <laughs> and my, I was thinking really hard about it and <laughs> for all this talk of like disconnecting I would tell myself when I was in art school to pay attention and put actual like a bit of effort into your Photoshop and design classes and that computers really are going to catch on mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. at the time we're like, what is this mess? Nobody's going to use this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I put like the minimal, I only had to take two or three classes, but I'd put the minimal amount of effort into them just to scrape by. Because right. I never had computers growing up in school. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is crazy talk. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it would it would make things you know, it it would have softened my learning curve once okay. computers did take off. Yeah. But um so so for me it was computers, but sometimes there's things that we maybe don't think are valuable, but then they actually turn out to be valuable in the future. And like, Oh, I really wish I'd paid more attention to such and such, or I really wish I had not, you know, um, sacrificed playing in the grass with my three-year-old because there were, uh, you know, texts kept coming in or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it can be it can be sort of anything, but something that that seems really simple and like ah, or this this won't be a big deal later, or oh this will happen again. It might not happen again, and it mm-hmm. might turn out to be a really big deal later. So so trying to to sort of pay really put like a a good um, I'm sorry the, the words are like. A, a bit of consciousness and like okay. a bit of a little more effort into some things because something you think you might not like actually turn out to be pretty cool. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, before we got recording, you and I were both talking about how we had 
grandfathers who were big gardeners. I think you said your grandmother as well. Um, And I certainly regret not going out and learning more from him. Because what little I did has been so valuable. Um, And I think back on the times that I spent every summer at their house, and I should have been out there helping him more and learning from him. um, But we were kids, you know? Yeah, we were kids. And I really regret... And, and knowing what I know about developmental psychology and, and stuff, it, it makes sense. But I really regret as a teenager, I couldn't see how what they were doing and what my other relatives further, further down into the country were doing. I couldn't see how valuable that was as a teenager. To me, I was like, it was all about like, let's get into the city and let's like do some social justice. You know, I was all like, let's break it down, man. You know, not realizing (laughs) that knowing how to grow your own food was breaking it down. Like, and I had those skills and I, if I could have spent, you know, a third more of my time when I was down in the country, like being forced to go visit, like paying attention to what was going down there instead of being an ornery teenager, Mm -hmm. like, wow, what I could have gathered, you know? Right. Aww. But what can you tell a teenager, right? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, my daughter is 11, and so she's working on being a teenager. She's just, you know, practicing for practicing. the big She's moment. warming up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I can't believe it. We are already at our last question, and that's what's the main message you're trying to convey with your artwork? Um, with with my personal art and then also with my classes, the other thing teaching is kind of an art as well and sharing that. Um, it's just, uh, slow down and let art and let art kind of be the excuse to make space in your life for creative nature connection. Um, Mm -hmm. let it be like, Oh yeah, this is something I do, you know? Oh, sorry. Can't like, I go to this community meeting or whatever. Not community meeting is a bad example because that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty valuable thing to do. But you know, I know uh, you baby shower. Oh gosh, do not even invite me. Um, like I say no to all these things, but people are like, oh yeah, she's just doing art. Like say, oh sorry, I can't. That's my that. Or you can say, I'm taking a class. That's online classes are an amazing excuse. Like sorry, I'm taking a class. I have to I have to work on my class, which means. I have to go in the backyard and draw echinacea. <laughs> like, right. so using whatever excuse you have to come up with, you know, but letting it let you slow down, letting yourself slow down um, to make that space for creative connection, whether it's high, it doesn't always have to be art, you know, hiking, cooking, gardening, journaling, bird watching, And then, once you feel good about like, ah, oh, I'm really slowing down. Like I'm really getting this then sh- and sharing that with like mm-hmm. all the children that, you know, and teaching them to like observe and listen for nature's whispers and to model that it's okay. Like to prefer to daydream in the backyard than to play iPod or something. I had to look now I'm like <laughs> showing my like <laughs> technical, like, <laughs> <laughs> to play, yeah. you know, they might feel 
like, well, all the kids are doing this. I should do it too. And maybe they're not ready to do that. Maybe it's not, you know, go for a walk or ride bikes rather than drive if, if possible. It's not always possible, but, um, when I was teaching, I rode my bike to school every single day. And unless it was like a a hurricane thunderstorm in the morning, Uh but even if they were calling for rain in the afternoon, I rode my bike every single day, just, well, one, it was really good for my like sanity, but Mm -hmm. it modeled to the kids. You don't have to drive everywhere, get a good backpack and jump on your bike and go, um, saying no to stuff you don't want to do. Like, don't feel obligated. Like if you have a baby shower and you really don't want to go, just don't. And I was like, they're not going to know you're not there. Like I always tell myself, don't think so highly of yourself. Like they're not going to know you're not there when the party's going on, you know, say yes to what you want when you can, because you can't always, but yeah, Mm -hmm. saying yes to like letting yourself slow down and saying no to just the stuff like obligation stuff that just doesn't need, it, it doesn't have to be done. Right. And just because we don't want to go to the baby shower doesn't mean we don't love that, right. you know, relative. Right. Uh, it just means, you know, it's, it's like, not our thing or we just, you know, we, we need exactly. more space and time for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and by doing that, when the baby actually comes, you're going to be like so much more supportive, you know, and you'll be, mm-hmm. you know, do you want my time now at this party or do you want my time when you can hold a baby and give the mom a break to take a shower you know what I mean like so I I feel like there's you can by slowing down and and giving your yourself that space to feel like filled up within yourself feel to feel connected your your other connections in life become so much stronger because you have more energy to channel into them. Mm. Mm. Well said. Well said. <laughs> oh, well, Kelly Johnson, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was lovely. And I think we will all feel refreshed and ready for spring, having heard your thoughts. <laughs> yes. I hope everyone just get out there, find, train their start, start training their eyes to notice and to see, take a minute, take a deep breath and just look at something. Maybe it's a shrub you've seen a million times before. Stop, Mm -hmm. take a deep breath and just have a look at it for like one minute. You can even set a timer. I love timers. Timers are great, especially when you're doing nature connection with kids and, and just look at it for one minute and see all the things you notice that you never saw before. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reminded I walk my dog around the circle in our neighborhood, you know, several times a day. And I'm, I mean, I could do this all the time. I do do it all the time, but, you know, I could do this a million times and I would always notice something different because everyone's yards are always changing and there's the different seasons and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's funny. My husband doesn't like it. He says, it's the hamster wheel. I can't possibly go around that same circle <laughs> over and over again. But I I love it because I'll notice all those things that are different. Yeah. It's always like, the follow- same, but it's always different. Yeah. It's the same, but it's different. Exactly. Yeah. And the dog knows, like, follow the dog's cue with their little sniffing around, always finding <laughs> something new to sniff, you know? <laughs> they know. <laughs> or I so go for a walk with a toddler. Oh, yeah. the, let the yeah. toddler like set the pace. You know, mm-hmm. you may only get like 25 feet, but you're going to see so much stuff. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. 
Yes, right on. <laughs> oh, well, Kelly, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Wasn't that a great interview with Kelly Johnson? I am so inspired, guys, and I am so ready for spring because it is cold here in Indiana. And uh, it got warm last week, and all my little tulips popped their little noses up. And then uh, I think they wish they had shrunk back down into the ground again because <laughs> it is not spring quite yet. But soon, my friends, soon. Um. I wanted to mention that uh, Kelly has a, a freebie on her website, Wings, Worms, and Wonder, where you can sign up for her newsletter and get this uh, Take 5 coloring sheet where uh, it encourages you to take five minutes and uh, sit down, sit your butt down, and enjoy nature as we talked about in the interview. So if you're interested in... Uh, getting that, then go to her website, Wings, Worms, and Wonder, and uh, sign up. Once you're signed up, you'll be on her newsletter list, as I am, and uh, and then you'll get to see all the beautiful things that she does throughout the year. Um, let's go back to the quote of the day that I shared uh, at the beginning is what by William Morris. Um, William Morris, by the way, was, um, he was a a fabric designer, a wallpaper designer, um, and he lived in the Victorian era in England. And he, and and this was an era where there was a lot that was becoming mechanized. You know, um, pottery, for example, they're starting to mass produce things, and not everything is made by hand. And he um, was really big on bringing not only nature back in to the home, um, but the handmade quality of true art materials and that they, that, that everything you encounter throughout your day should be something that is made with love, right? So his quote that I shared at the beginning was, the true secret of happiness lies in taking a genuine interest in all the details of daily life. And I, I feel this was perfectly matched to what we talked about with Kelly because if we just calm down and stop to smell the roses, take an interest in those little details that the flower that's opening its bud slowly up to the sunshine um, and and our food and how we it's grown and how it matures and and how we ingest it um, I'm I'm in a yoga teacher training program and I'm learning all about the inside of the body and the, and how it works and those muscles and I'm just so thankful for the complex, graceful beauty that is our bodies and the world around us and everything it takes for us to live. And I agree with William Morris that the, the secret of happiness is in taking that interest, slowing down, taking the interest, noticing 
This concludes our Alchemy of Art podcast for today. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Addie Hirshton and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.